grace, mercy, and peace are yours through the triune God. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m., we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you. The close quarters of student housing were cramped enough for Lynn and Paul. Three children, ages six, four, and twelve months, made the tiny duplex resemble an obstacle course. Dirty laundry, a jumble of shoes, books and blocks, and Legos. Oh, the Legos were the worst. Anyone who has stepped on a sharp plastic brick with a bare foot knows that red jolt of pain that sent Paul over the edge. Pick up the living room now. Shoes by the door, laundry in the hamper, toys in the toy chest, or else. He was not amused when his six-year-old suggested a compromise. Look, Dad, I've created a path through the Legos for you to walk. With adult eyes, I can see how that path was hardly big enough for my father's size 11 shoes. But more importantly, I recognize how my vision of a winding trail through a wilderness of Legos was short-sighted. I couldn't imagine the possibilities of walking unhindered through my own home. Picking up the living room was a chore, to be sure, a chore that I wanted to avoid. But it didn't require much more energy than tiptoeing over minute plastic landmines. The baffling logic of six-year-olds doesn't last more than a day. Adult rationalizations are more tenacious. Churches are famous for taking a decision made at a given time and engraving it into stone. Jesus chose twelve men to spread the message of the kingdom, and centuries later, Many churches claim that only men can be priests, since none of the disciples were women. New Testament scholar Beverly Roberts Gaventa concedes that point, but retorts, Well, none of the disciples were German either. Praise the Holy Spirit for changing minds one century at a time. And of course, church folks sometimes divert energy meant for gathering people around the word and building loving community into 
tiptoeing over landmines. After all, we don't want to upset people, especially long-time members who have contributed so much. And so we shape procedures and programs around personalities. And we teach newcomers that some worshippers matter more than others. The prophet Isaiah won't settle for footpaths through a mess of laundry and Legos, or for our resignation to systems that do not serve the life for which we were created. That's because he has glimpsed a wider vision on the horizon. The amazing grace of God has shaken his spirit. To the exiled and heartbroken people of Judah, and to us in this wretched year of our Lord 2020, the prophet's voice rings out, Clear the Eternal One's way in the desert. Make a level highway in the wilderness for our God. Every valley will be raised up, and every mountain and hill will be flattened. Uneven ground will become level, and rough terrain a valley plain. The glory of the Eternal One will appear, and all humanity will see it together. What Isaiah's eyes have witnessed, all of us will see. God, the liberator of the enslaved, God, the hope of exiles, is coming to transform the world. Valleys raised up, mountains flattened, shadows put to flight, and bowed heads lifted to the radiant dawn. Like a warrior, the Eternal One triumphs over evil. Like a shepherd, God cradles each lamb and you in the everlasting arms. This is the future God has promised to us. Such good news rouses Isaiah to action. Listen again to the wonderful verbs that he calls us to take up. Comfort the people. Clear the way in the desert. Make a level highway for our God. Speak compassionately. Call out. And what should we call out? All flesh is grass? Grass that dries up? What should we call out? Creaturely faithfulness is like a field of flowers that wither in the wind? As if we didn't know those things. As if any one of us looks in the mirror and does not see a collage of mixed motives, of competing hopes and weaknesses, loves and hatreds. As if anyone listening to the news or watching the pandemic's grim advance in our own county would not know that human life is fragile and finite. Who are we 
the flawed and frustrated to take up the proclamation of God's advent, of God's glorious arrival to set the world aright. Who are we? We whose highways are crumbling and whose hearts are cracked open. Who are we to make a highway for our God? And in the wilderness of all places, who are we? Isaiah shifts the question. Who is God? The grass dries up, the flower withers, but the word of our God endures forever. Who is God? None other than the first and the last and the living one, the Savior whose revelation to the prophet John included a message to a little church in western Turkey, the original Philadelphia. Listen again to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. These are the words of the one who is holy and true, who has the key of David. Whatever he opens, no one will shut, and whatever he shuts, no one opens. I know your works. Look, I have set in front of you an open door that no one can shut. You have so little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. So hold on. Hold on, and I will write upon you a new name. My own name. Who are we? We are the ones God has chosen. We are the lambs swept up into the shepherd's lap. We hold the flickering flame of faith within us because the Eternal One is faithful to the utmost. We hold out hope for a new world because the One who holds the key of David has opened a door that no one can shut. We read about David's key in Isaiah, of all places, in a prophetic tirade against a royal bureaucrat, Shebna, Isaiah declares that this key, the key to the palace perhaps, or the key to the treasury, will be handed over to another official, Eliakim. And now, now that key is in the hand of David's heir, Jesus Christ, who knew intimately the fragility of human flesh, who now reigns as the risen Lord more than any bureaucrat, more than any politician or pastor, more than any traditions we hold, we can trust this key-bearer, this Savior. And because he is trustworthy and true, we can take up Isaiah's call 
Raise your voice. Do not be afraid. Say to the weary world, Here is your God. But first we must announce the good news to ourselves. In your mind's eye, look. Jesus has set in front of you an open door that no one can shut. Look through that open door. What do you see? How is hope flourishing across the threshold? Who is waiting for you there? Waiting to live out the glorious future that God has promised the world. There are yet obstacles to walking straight through that door. There are sharp bits of plastic and sharper memories around which to navigate. There are worn grooves of self-hatred and enemy images, potholes of racism and generational poverty, and the lure of we've always done it this way. As you survey the terrain, do not lose heart. The spirit who blazes a trail home for us fearlessly goes through the desert and through every wilderness of the soul. The one who formed the mountains would sooner grind them into the sea than give up on us. The door that Jesus has opened cannot be shut by anyone, and that includes us, as much as we might want to slam the door and walk away. Have courage, dear friends, and comfort, too. For you, the Eternal One, is coming to bring the kingdom to create a new heaven and a new earth, to replant the tree of life in our midst. And listen, the prophets raise their voices with the astonishing news. Here is your God, right here in your midst. For the grace of the way forward, for the grace of the open door, for the grace of the shepherd's care, let us give all glory and gratitude to God, our ending and our beginning, our past and our promise, our judge and our hope. Amen.